Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, a couple things just to keep in mind. Ooh, I still feel shaky. Hey, Prissy. Um, if everybody came in and signed in, oh, oh, you're on that. That is something that we're trying to do. And there's a purpose to that because the Lord had told Gene and Zinni at the, um, to number everything. So what are we going to do? We're going to start numbering everything. So when you sign in, it is important. And you don't always have to fill in your address if we know you have it. But just sign in that you attended this class because that's what's important. So we can have numbers and see. Sometimes doesn't it feel good to see the growth in the building? Everybody likes to look at their bank account and see it grow every time something gets deposited in it, right? So that's how we should feel about the growth in our numbers. It should be the same thing. So I just thank God and thank him for the changes and everything that he's doing in this ministry. Praise God. I want everybody to get settled. All right. This is going to be our last class for the section four in your book. And the section four, I think it's, it's called growth inhibitors, if you have it in your manual. And growth inhibitors were about us getting to understand what is a stronghold, what are our spots, identifying unforgiveness, shame, and rejection, knowing the residue of those things. And um, we talked about, I know Carrie did a teaching too, about the falling away, the great falling away. The enemy wants to keep those growth inhibitors. Come on up. Take a seat up here, Prissy. Um, for those, he wants to keep us in our darkness so we don't advance the kingdom of God on the earth. And that's what the purpose is of growing into maturity of Christ so we can be a unified body in faith and that we can come together and the unity of love so that everybody can advance and do what they're called to do without residue, without measure. There is a power of God that we're supposed to increase from the inside out so that we can move without any restraint holding us back. Last week we talked about, this is awesome. I love this lesson. Who liked this lesson last week? It was awesome, you know, because we talked about blessing blockers. And you know what? I could spend years taking each one of these little topics we could stay on growth, growth inhibitors for a long time. But now we are so blessed to receive material that the research is already done on this sheet. Raise your hand. Have you looked at the sheet after last week's lesson? And I asked you all to look at this sheet because we talked about selfishness and what is selfishness. And we talked about this list. Something on here is a blessing blocker. What's on this paper? Whatever's on this paper that you identified with is something that keeps you from praising God, breaking through that second heaven so that he can hear your voice so his power can be released. This is where I loved, you know what? The one thing I have to say, as we grow, we get more comfortable with hearing our own what? Voice, okay? And when it says we are to bless the Lord with the blessings of the Lord makes one rich, our, our praises to the Lord makes us what? Rich. And we talked about there's no sorrow added. When we break one of these through the word, meditating on that word, worshiping with God, asking the Holy Spirit to help us understand and grow through it, and then asking Jesus to sanctify our soul. Man, Jesus is awesome. He came to help us sanctify this soul so that we could have a deeper relationship with God. 
so we could have the same relationship he had with the Father, which is a daily stepping out your day, one step at a time, developing a life and hearing what God wants to share with you, where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do. We actually have to get comfortable knowing that the power of God in us wants to come out. It can no longer sit in the spot where the residue is trying to oppress it or the adversary is coming to try to steal or the tempter comes so that you cannot get taken out of your rest. And I want everybody to keep in mind, we are in the period here. The next three months, we talked about death, burial, and what are we on now? Rest. And if you look over here, there is a period of time before we receive a victory that we have to actually enter into his rest. We have to enter into that rest. And I, and so last week we were, I think last week was right before the first, or it was the last week of June. But I said, everybody, if you didn't know what you were burying, when you looked at this sheet, it was going to come alive to you. How many some things, some things came alive to you? Okay, so if some things came alive to you, I know I, I prayed and I asked the Lord for myself and I asked him even for our body to show me what things do we still have to, we still have to work on. And as you start looking through this, right next to each one is what? The scripture of victory. In the rest, you have to be standing on the scripture. You have to know that scripture. That scripture just comes out. It just starts flowing in the time you need because in the rest is when temptation comes. In the rest is when you've already broken that, that feat with the adversary and you have chosen God. But now you actually now have to rest in him. And boy, the temptation's there to test you so that you can pass that final exam. So everybody's going to stay in their rest, right? Right. Because at the end, we all want the victory of that freedom. We want the victory of that freedom. All right. So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to finish up the lesson on two things. We've talked about unforgiveness, shame, and, and rejection. But I want to sum everything up with two real, the real root of everything. And with growth inhibitors, we have to recognize that with strongholds, that behind every stronghold is a lie. Behind every lie is a fear. And we're going to talk about two things today. We're just going to cover these two topics nice and quickly and sum them up because we need to work on understanding when am I in fear and when am I angry? Because as we're growing out the darkness, there is a fear. There's the residue, which is a so, uh, I mean, I love the awareness when I got this. When Christ comes the second time into your life, he wants to remove the sin's residue. And the first two are what? Fears and what? Anger. I'm going to tell you, behind every lie is a fear. You know, sometimes we want to figure things out because we have to know it all, right? Sometimes we got to figure all our things out. We got to decide how it's going to be. But, you know, it's because we're usually holding on to a lie and behind it is a fear. And, you know, God is going to reveal the truth if you are in your rest and you actually transition to knowing what's going on. God is going to, he, he, you are in your rest. He is taking care of everything around you. He just wants you to stand still and trust in him. So we're going to talk the difference about fear and anger because they are two separate things, but they fuel the same outcome, which is holding us back from what we're going to receive. And so we don't want anybody to be tempted by fear and anger. 
We don't want anybody in here to be speaking behind the spirit of their sound of fear. We don't want anybody speaking anger into their atmospheres, not in this building, not at home, not in your car, not talking to the air. Come on, right? There's people get angry, you just start talking to the air, right? And then, you know, there's times that when we're fearful, it's amazing how we can hold it inside. People can feel fear on a person. I talked to, it was awesome. Rachel uh, has a horse. And when I grew up, my dad had a horse. And when I got thrown off of it, well, from that day, I saw a horse, I could feel trembling in my body. And I, was, and I didn't even get hurt. I was caught in midair, but my face was looking at concrete. But my dad was holding on to my shirt. And I was like hugging my dad. You're my hero. You're my hero. You're my hero. Right? You know? But that was the day I know a serious fear entered into me that day. And I'm going to tell you, it took Rachel getting a horse to break that fear. Because I'm going to tell you, when you see an animal that's more massive of you and you recognize that it weighs more than you, it has more horsepower than you, when you start coming close to it, you know if you have fear. Tori went out to the stables and spent some time. And I asked Tori, I said, how did it feel when you went up to the horse? I just had to ask her. She said, I felt shaking. I was scared. Okay? So think about that. Fear. You know what fear does? Fear wants to put you in a place to step back. Who knows? I could have been a serious equestrian girl, you know, not a runner. Maybe I was supposed to ride horses when I was younger. But that seed of fear entered in, and it was Rachel. Rachel boldly brought that foot horse to my face, and I'd be like, okay, slow down, slow down, slow down. Let me pet it. And then I could feel the nervousness, like what if it steps forward? What if it jumps up, you know? And then I found out, let me tell you something. When we know we perish for lack of knowledge, when I found out they're more scared of me, a horse is more scared of you because its two eyes can't see straight. One eye sees this way and another eye sees this way. So it takes a long time for it to get comfortable with a person, with a place, with anything that goes on around. That's why it has a high sense of fear. And so if you think about it, I learned how to approach the horse. And the horse, already it's already been tempered and learned to surrender to human beings. Why? Because we have what? dominion. Hey, we can't be afraid of snakes. We can't be afraid of creepy crawly things. I don't want to hear anybody in here these next three months see a creepy crawly thing and scream in your house. How many have done that lately? Right? We're going to ask for forgiveness for that. Because the moment you see that creepy crawly thing and you go, ah, right? I can't even do it as good as Rachel does it, right? You know what? You just, what did you just put in your atmosphere? Fear. We put fear into our atmosphere. Do you want to come on up? You want to slide up? Are you good, Daniel? Daniel, there is no put on the spot. Everything's about transparency here. We notice when everybody walks through the door. Right. Okay. Well, huh? I'm on what? Oh, uh, yeah. We, we're double. We're counting because we're doubling everything. All right. So here's, so we're going to focus on fear. Let me tell you about fear. Fear is so awesome because fear is when somebody has fear, that usually means there's a soft spot in your heart of something you just don't know. Remember, behind every lie is a fear. Well, the lie when I was about the horse was I was afraid it could hurt me. Well, once I surrendered the understanding to the subjugation of the word of God, which says we have dominion over all the animals, right? Over all in the sea, in the air, creepy crawly. Once I started getting that understanding and meditating on that verse, meditating on that verse, well, now there that soft spot now became bold. 
It became bold. Fear is a soft spot that we just want to believe the lie and just say, that's just me. That's just me. That's just me. And fear wants to blame, wants to blame. Well, I fell off a horse, so this is just the way I am. But all it was was God setting up an understanding, an awareness for the truth of his word to come in. So a fear, let me tell you, if you have fear, if you have fear, all right, then he wants to build boldness in you. How do you know you have fear? You step back from something. All right, here are the signs of fear. Fear takes many forms. Here's the list, ready? It's a long one. Anxiety. If you feel anxiety about something, approaching something, you have fear. Doubts. Let me tell you about doubt. Doubt is when somebody tells you to do something that they know you can do and you say, no, I can't do it. Doubt is when you are aware of a word of God that you say, that's really nice on paper, but that's not me. Now, I'm not going to do that, okay? Doubt sets in. Timidity, when you start feeling timid toward taking that next step in Christ, when you take that next step in anything that you know you need a shot of boldness. So that is, that t- that is a form. Indecision, man, we cannot be tossed to and fro. God wants us bold. If this is to take up our sword and swing it, you've got to what? Take it boldly in the name of Christ. And then you have to step out and say what he's asked you to say. Speak what he's asked you to speak. People who believe in superstitions, you know, don't open up an umbrella in a building, right? Oh, oh my God. I did a demonstration one here one time where we had the, it was the, it was unforgiveness. And I had this vision of all those roots, anger, jealousy, all the roots. They look like umbrellas because they look like they were half open. And every time truth, love came towards me. I'd open the umbrella. And I thought about that before I did that demonstration. I'm going to be opening up some umbrellas in the building. But see, that would be a what? A superstition. And there's nothing on that. There's nothing on that. All right. Another one is withdrawal. How many people have withdrawn from a crowd of people? Knowing you were to go and step into a room or to stand up to speak. We've had so many beautiful testimonies of people breaking through their withdrawal. Withdrawal within worship, withdrawal to raise your hands, withdrawal to speak your voice and let it go like the multitude of waters through the air. There is a time that God doesn't want you to withdraw back from something. There's loneliness. Everybody, if you're a leader in Christ and you're growing, there's always going to be a window of loneliness that you have to experience with God because he wants to fill that place so you know that you're not alone. Okay, I like this. This doesn't make sense, but it is true. Overaggression. Overaggression. There are times that you would rather actually make a loud noise and then withdraw back so you don't have to deal with what your fears are. Okay? Think about it. Hey, I remember times I break out crying. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'd make a scene, not even knowing I was doing it because I feared doing something so much I'd break down and cry and then everybody let me go. <laughs> crying like that is an overaggression. <laughs> You know what I mean? I was aggressive. I didn't like to think that. It also takes a form of worry, inferiority, cowardness, suspicion. Come on. How many people have been suspicious about a doctrine? How many people have been suspicious about a person? How many people have been suspicious about the intent of things going on around you? And it actually makes you fear going forward into something. 
I like that. Hesitancy, being hesitant to move. Depression, boy, the enemy loves depression. He likes us to get us in a fear, in a pit, and he makes us think that that, we cannot break that. I'm going to tell you, fear loves a person who's afraid to talk. Fear is working in the minds of many Christians, getting them not to talk. You know, this is one thing I love about this ministry. This is a dressing room. Guess what? We're going to make mistakes. Stepping out in what the Holy Spirit has for us, we're going to actually step in and make mistakes. But we've got to what? Step it out. Because in that stepping out, he cancels out fear. He cancels that out. Haughtiness and social shyness. So fear cancels out the grace needed to establish the advancing the kingdom of our life into others. Now, this is cute. I wrote this note. It's awesome. If you have fear, that means there's a place of soft unsurety in one of those areas, one of those forms are manifesting in your life. Now, I, I want to tell you about as I was growing in this ministry, and let me tell you, every time I hit worship, if I, when I hit the third heaven, I do see a vision. I see something. Well, I was teaching a lesson, and God was really working in my life to cancel out all my debt. And let me tell you, I saw a vision right after he finished the last one. I was to teach on a Wednesday night, and I had a vision to go buy chips. In fact, those chips are still in this ministry. And I saw I was to pass them around to everybody and tell everybody to throw them in the center of the room. And if they threw them in the center of the room, something would be broken. Okay, so you know what I did? And I was even the chips I got. Some were yellow, some were green, some were blue, and some were red. And I was like, wow, those chips can represent our intellectual bondage. Some of those chips represented the, the what, who are we choosing? Are we choosing him or are we choosing our own belief? And you know what he said? Green represented mercy. So when they threw the green chips, mercy would go out. It would bind what you lacked, but mercy would enter in. Okay? So this is interesting. I got to that point, and guess what happened? I didn't do it. Isn't that terrible? I've always felt something, and I'm going to read a scripture that tells you what I felt at that time. But here, I was hyped. I saw it. I knew it. I ran out, and then I saw the people. And now here's the thing. God hadn't finished my debt cancellation at that time. He hadn't finished it, but let me tell you, he was on a serious road. I mean, it was flooding me and flooding me and flooding me. Once I followed, we got to be in that third heaven so we can hear the true voice of God. And this is what happened to me. I canceled out grace that night. I canceled grace. I canceled out grace. I actually broke something God wanted to actually establish and advance other people in here with debt conciliation, right? For others, because he was already doing it where? in my life. But what set in? Fear. Oh, you know that fear because you just feel the trembling all around. You know what I mean? Hey, in the presence of God, you what? Tremble. Oh, so I think about that time. And this is is, here. I'm going to read this out. And then I want you to know, I felt this. And this is a feeling I don't want to feel anymore. I don't want anybody in here to experience this. Go ahead and put up one Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to take one verse at a time. We're going to do 15, 16. It's going to be 16 to 19. Yeah, but I want you to take one verse at a time. So if you can take it at one verse at a time, that'd be great. All right, so remember, our little soft spot 
trying to protect what we think or what feelings we already have cancels out the grace of God. And do you believe the revelation was so strong? He even told me what every color meant, what was going to be bound, and what was going to be loose. And I didn't even understand that stuff then. <laughs> that's, how, that's how babyish I was during that time. But I was, I was all on it. The Word tells us, too. Um, you can do it in the... Um, it can't be that, just that. No, 16. Mm-mm. Okay, it says, be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad-hearted continually always. Okay, that was happening to me. I got the vision. I was, what, happy in my faith because I was getting that vision and I was rejoicing the whole time to Walmart and I walked right up to the colored chips that had all those colors. It was easy. In fact, I was like, wow, I think I might need to get two cases because there's got to be a lot of debt that's got to be broken off in this place, right? All right, and it says, and be glad-hearted continually, always. Okay, up until I got to the teaching, that was me. Next verse. All right, how do we maintain that? We have to be unceasingly in our what? Our prayer. We have to persevere. I loved it. My prayer was working all the way up till I got to the point. <laughs> I laugh at this. Hey, my falls are somebody else's uplift. I am telling you, because I, when I think about this, I'm going to have one. I'm going to talk, talk about another fall that Carrie and I had together. <laughs> but Carrie actually had the victory, and I did not. But it was good. Carrie got the victory. Carrie, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to lift you up in this. So, but we have to actually be unceasing in prayer. Do you know? Because the enemy wants to get that spot of fear or anger. But in this case, it was fear. Fear in thinking I was performing for people instead of pleasing God. Okay, instead of pleasing God. So, hey, my prayer life has grown stronger, has grown stronger over these years. Next verse. We have to thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you, who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and the meditator of that will. See, he already had a plan set out for that Wednesday night class. I'm telling you, I, I don't know if you remember, Gene, you were there that night. I did not do the chips. I did the lesson, but I didn't follow through with the chips. But I love it because he already had his will put out, not just for me, for the people. Imagine if I would have followed through what he would have also had for me, okay? So we have to remember that he has a pattern. He has a circumstance. He has a will and he just needs us to keep, you can break through anything by thanking him, by thanking him, by thanking him. All right, and here's what I did. Next verse. But he gives us a warning. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. See, I love that. I had all that going up. And then right when was the time, what did I do? I didn't heed that verse warning. Because he, he knows if you're going to build up and build up, and you allow yourself to be a vessel used, he's going to break fear off of you so that you can actually step out. But he actually warns us in this verse. He gives us all the happy, 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 thankful, happy, happy, unceasing prayer. But then he says, now, do not quench the Holy Spirit. So you have to think, that means suppress, subdued something he has shown you to do. To quench means to extinguish. Think about it. 
I taught a great lesson. Then when it came time for the demonstration, to put out. There was a fire burning in me all that day. And then what did I do? I put it out to destroy. The enemy came through my fear and destroyed the works and the will of God for that night. The lesson was good, and there was a measure that did leave with people that day, but it wasn't the fullness of his will at that moment. Now, I think this is funny because the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. He wants to work through your personality to to do what he wants to accomplish in the earth. It has to actually be manifested in the earth. Do you know when a law gets passed and people start speaking it, it's actually buried in the earth. So when the Holy Spirit shows us a demonstration, he is wanting to do something in the earth for those people that are there. I wrote that from moving in its flow. See, when you doubt... You have indecision, you have suspicion, you are, I was a coward. (laughs) I was a coward. I didn't know how to, even though it was so strong in me, to even actually go out and gather all the stuff, then boom, I had to now put it in place. There are sometimes indecision, it hits us because he's trying to break us off. He's trying to get us to go from glory to glory. We are to not be led by tradition. And we are not to prevent his person from demonstrating itself. See, I still was living in the, still my mind still lived in, well, church was sit, stand, kneel, listen to a teaching, pay money and leave the door. You know what I mean? So sometimes tradition, see, the Lord, it's so awesome. In the Old Testament, they did not have the Holy Spirit in them. But when Jesus came and we were so blessed, this is what's so amazing. When you come to the threshold of change, and the change is so that the Holy Spirit can work through you to what? Advance the kingdom of God on the earth for others. Well, guess what? You know you're growing. When all of a sudden, when the Spirit starts rising from the bottom up, man, conflict, troubles, trials happened right in that instant. We were learning in that we were learning at King Jesus. Whoever speaks should be in a room by themselves. And they should not be around people right before they teach because that is the moment somebody can work through an awesome, innocent, great person to quench that person's spirit. You could already have a vision of what you were to accomplish in the night and then somebody says, I saw this and you respect that person? Maybe I didn't see that. Okay, now my boldness starts to, everything starts to rescind like water. It starts to go down even though the filling was already in me to implement it. All right, so I want us to think about it. We really have to slash fear out of our hearts. There is a soft spot in us that he wants us to have that boldness. I listen back to when I used to talk in the beginning, and then I listen to myself now. God has truly, the Holy Spirit has truly put a boldness in me for the passion and love of his word because I see it change people. I've seen it change me. I have seen it advance the kingdom of God. And the other night when I was worshiping, I um, opened up, so I write prayers out in worship. I just started crying. I started crying because there were so many things I have wrote out that actually stepping out, they actually accomplished. And it wasn't about me. It was about accomplishing something else. So there's a, isn't that awesome? I've always asked, Lord, where are we special? 
What's there, I mean, we're all trying to do the same thing, but we're all individually and uniquely made. And so each of us has that thing of fear that he wants to cancel out, but he wants to increase. I love it. Build your faith. He wants to build that. That word says, be happy in what? Be happy in your faith. Okay. Be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad hearted continually always. So we don't want to quench things out. I'm going to give you another example. Carrie and I, Carrie and I, okay, we started youth night here many years ago. That kind of like youth night was one of those things that got started and stopped and started and stopped. Now it's on full force, Chris. (laughs) We were doing a youth and um, Carrie was going to do a lesson on grace or something. And Gene comes in the middle office and he says, hey, hey, take all those kids, put them on their knees. Tell them to confess something, blah, 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 blah. Gene and I, Carrie and I are looking at Gene like, okay, I didn't get that. And I was like, I looked at Carrie, did you get that? No, but I mean, I guess we're going to do it, right? But the whole time, I actually, <laughs> okay, th- I learned something this night. I learned something this night. I mean, I, Carrie was the one who, he followed through, he had them. But the whole time, I had a little bit of fear, and my fear was, I know exactly what my fear was. My fear was I didn't see it during my worship time. I said, I didn't see that. I even said that. I didn't see that. And then Gene said, you don't have to see it. (laughs) You. No, here, I'll do it. I I think I got his voice out. You don't have to see it. (laughs) I mean, it was firm. And I did feel, I felt just like approaching a horse. I felt the tremble. So that means there was something for me to overcome. See, sometimes we can get an assignment to do something, but we're actually called to do that assignment to be obedient to God's instruction because everybody's going to be under what? Authority. All right. So actually, I had to be happy in my faith in Christ and I had to be happy in my leader and know I'm going to do that. But you know what? I did the yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and we got through it. But see, I'm thankful about those two times I can remember failing because now I'll tell you a time I succeeded, a time at my very first time of actually having a demonstration flow. And it just, whoo, some of you were here. It was a time when uh, we were starting faith nights and we were singing. And I'm just going to tell you, like, music would just bellow out of my belly and I just sing into the, I mean, I just can't, I, it was, it's awesome. Everybody knows what that feels like when you hit that point. Well, I heard, I heard, um, go wash everybody's feet. Well, I thought that was nice scripturally, but I wasn't thinking about it physically, acting it out. So I was like, you're going to have to give me a verse. You know, I asked the Lord for a verse. Moy, he gave me a verse, and then he showed me how to set it all up. Well, I remember that night. Who was here that night? When that night happened, it really was. God just wanted to demonstrate himself so he could cut some things off of other people. Let me tell you, I was like this. Now, remember, when you're doing the demonstration, God has instructed you to do it. So you're going through it. I'm just looking around. Wow. Like, it was so strong. And then I really appreciate it. Wow, the Holy Spirit wants to work through different people, not always the same people. He wants to start exercising our ability to actually perform for him. So remember, and I felt like I overcame something that day. I felt like I really overcame fear of doing something and thinking it would look silly to people and not pleasing to God. One of the things that I wanted to, one of the things we're going to outline before we leave is six steps to an excellent life. Six steps to actual victories in your life. And one of the first things that are written here is your dedication to God. You have to decide who are you pleasing? The Father. 
You want to please the Father. You have to decide that you are going to live in his what? Victory. I think about that time. If I would have done the chips, who knows? My debt conciliation might not have taken a year. It might have been done earlier. (laughs) Because he blesses us after. You know who the victory is? The victory is Jesus Christ. Man, we have to work through Christ. And so how do we know when we are pleasing the Father? We are willing to live in victory through Christ. We are willing to let him change our soul so we can prosper. So then we have to decide. I love this. So dedication to God is not only pleasing the Father, walking in the victory through Christ, but it's also deciding, making that decision that you are going to live and love life with the Holy Spirit. You have to live and love life with the Holy Spirit because it's in you. Man, I... I just, I remember the first time I saw this vision and it's so beautiful. I thought I saw the vision of Pentecost and in Pentecost, when the wind swooped over the people, when the wind swooped over the people, it was like the physical tabernacle came out of the atmosphere and then filled each person with the Holy Spirit, filled them to such a fullness that now they were the walking temple where Christ and the Father want to dwell. Now, can you just, have you, I've had these experiences in my room. I've had these experiences where when I am pressed into something, a wind takes me, because it can happen more than once. It's not a one-time thing. There is a wind that comes in, and it just, and then you just feel like you are a walking miracle, <laughs> because there is something else in us that he wants to fill us up, and so we can go out and do what? Take that soft place and let it be filled with the boldness of Christ. So I want everybody to think about that. I want you to, when you press in at home, say, Lord, just keep filling this temple with another level of the fullness of your breath. Keep filling it up. Keep filling it up. Allowing it so that you can actually fear gets cut off. I really do. I have less fear now. The more I press in. And when I do feel fear, man, I just press into worship even more. And I do. I feel him just take over. And I just fall out. And it's good. I feel great after. He's doing, because he's doing something. I want, it's biblical. The wind came and then a new sound came out and everybody knew exactly what that sound was saying. So isn't that awesome? Our goal, we have to remember to live an excellent, victorious life. Our goal has to be that we want to grow so we can help others. We've got, we can't walk in fear because if we walk in fear, we are holding back the grace for another. I already gave you the examples. We have to, three, decide to be led by the Spirit. If you are sons of God, you are what? Led by the Spirit. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Fear puts a block, and the word is quench. It quenches the Holy Spirit, okay? It extinguishes, it puts out, destroys those things. All right, now let's talk about anger, all right? So, because anger affects the Holy Spirit. And I really love these things because remember, he wants us to grow out. Fear is behind every what? Lie. Anger is actually an expression of a fear. Our our anger is an expression of fear. So now I'm going to go the other way. You don't want an angry voice, anger to be behind your voice because you have just now anger cancels out grace needed. Fear cancels out grace that needs to be established. But anger 
cancels out grace that is needed to actually advance the kingdom of God. Anger blocks, is a total block. It just shuts right down. Anger takes many forms. Now, here's the opposite of anger versus fear. Anger is a person who is very hard. You are so hard on the, it's not a soft spot. It's a hard spot. So how do you know God's dealing with you in anger? He's going to soften you. He's going to humble you. In all, there is humbling that happens. For a person for soft to become bolder, there's some humbling that's going to happen when you feel the quenching. If, if you are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can feel a quenching in fear. But if you're born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and now you let anger intercede, there is a grieving, like a death. It is. And so there is a hardness in you that he is going to use to soften you. And I'm going to give you a testimony on this, but I'm first going to tell you the forms. Here are the forms. The forms are, how do you know? How do you know you're hard? How do you know you're really hard? You are bitter. You are so bitter. All you do is complain about everybody else. Bitterness, complaining, you reject other people. It's got it all on it. Bitterness, I'm telling you, bitterness is something that you just know. You, there is a hate that grows in you that you just can't let go about a person, about a place, or about what happened to you. You actually... Anger makes you a victim. I'm going to talk more about that on Saturday, about being a victim. Malice. You want to do something to hurt somebody. I mean, come on. Sometimes you really want to get mad at somebody and you want to retaliate back. Okay, we don't return evil for evil. There is clamor all around you. That means constantly what you're feeding in that atmosphere, confusion is all around you. Envy. Resentment. Intolerance. Criticism. How many people bound somebody just criticize? Ugh. Ugh, and you just feel the deflate. Revenge, wrath, hatred, jealousy, attack, gossip, sarcasm. Hey, I could do some serious good sarcasm. I mean, like, come on. Some people are so witty, sarcasm can come out like that, right? And that's how you know you're dealing in such a greatness of unforgiveness. Anger is that expression that says you have one of these forms working in you. And I'm going to tell you, it grieves the Holy fear. It just cuts it. There's, it's not just a quenching because when something's quenched, it can be revived right back up. But when you've got anger, there is, I mean, you have just put that in the atmosphere and God's going to start softening you. Be prepared. When you put that stuff in the atmosphere, softening is going to happen. And I'm going to give you an example. No, I'm not. I wouldn't do that to you, Carrie. <laughs> Carrie, I lifted you up. You listened to the you listened to the apostle. I did not. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I know. But that's what's but the awesome thing is anger gets put into your heart. And now anger, and this is gonna be my testimony on anger, and then how it deflated. It was so awesome. Uh, Rachel, my me and her dad are divorced, right? Well, when you have divorce, divorce opens up a way for bitterness, jealousy, those things to enter in. Um, I always say, if I knew what I knew now, I'd never get divorced. I would live in it and make it work. <laughs> I would make it work, right? But here's the thing. When Rachel, Rachel was one of those kids, you've all heard me say this before. I knew it when she was four years old. She would say, mommy, can I have this? Mommy, can I do this? Mommy, this, mommy, that. And I'd say, maybe. 
I was really good with never letting my yes be yes or my no be no. I was like, I'm going to take the middle ground and be maybe. But to her, maybe meant what? Yes. yes. And that girl, starts, she's already got a natural leadership. So she is working it, working. She's relentless, that girl, right? We were driving one time. I remember I was at the light at uh, Keller's Flea Market. And she is four and a half. And she was like, mom, you broke a promise. Right? And I'm not even even where I am now. I turned around. I remember being that light. I looked at her. I said, Rachel, here's the deal. Unless I say, I promise, then everything is no. You got that? I asked her to repeat it. (laughs) I really was. I was already a school teacher, so I knew how to discipline kids. I made her repeat it. Repeat it. Well, Rachel and I, that was a good relationship. She knew, unless I said the word, I promise, that that was a good thing. But now her dad didn't know that secret. All right, we were already divorced. Dad doesn't know that secret, right? So he says to Rachel, Rachel, I promise I'll never get married unless you like the woman. He says that to her. He promises her, I will never get married till you like that woman. I, will, I, will, I want your input. Okay, about two years after that, Rachel was probably about six. He goes away, comes back a month later. He got married. Didn't tell her didn't involve her, nothing. What entered into her? Anger. Because now something that was prompt, I knew it too. I remember sitting in my cottage. I was like this. Okay. Because they called me and told me they got married. I was like, oh, this isn't going to be good. Because Rachel would brag, my dad's not going to marry anybody unless I am in agreement with. She would, that meant a lot to her. And so anyway, now what happens is we start coming in this ministry. We start growing spiritually and stuff like that. So remember that seeds in her. That seeds in her. And so I start growing. Well, she actually went a whole year where the stepmother didn't speak to her for a whole year. All right? She was building anger. Building anger. But she was taking it out on me. She was taking it out on me. Well, one day she was so angry. She came in from school. She was so angry. I took her. We went over to Larry Subs. I sat down. I said, okay, Rachel, tell me everything you're angry at. She just went off. I am angry at you. I am angry at dad. I am angry. I am angry. I am. She is like, I am mad at this. I am mad at that. I am mad at that. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to defend myself. You know what I mean? I wanted to defend Gary. I wanted to like really break her back. How do you feel when you're, when you see somebody angry and you already know the truth, you actually just want to slap the truth in them. Come on. How many times do we just want to slap somebody? We just want to slap them, right? Okay. I am sitting there and I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that with Rachel, I never slap Rachel, but I could kick her chair if I really wanted something to come to attention at the dinner table. You will eat that. And I would kick her chair. Just that one slight would put her in place, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, Christ is definitely growing in me because I'm not angry, but I wanted to defend myself. And then all of a sudden, I remember the verse, make your voice soft, right? When somebody's angry, return that with a soft voice. And then I told her, when she went through the whole thing, I told her, I'm sorry. And you should have seen her. She was like, you're sorry. Yes, I'm sorry for divorcing your dad. I'm sorry that that had to happen to you. I'm sorry that you feel that way. I said, will you forgive me? I'm going to tell you the column of God came down. We are both crying. But there was that part of her that still sat there. And even though she was crying... Do you get what I'm saying? She was like, couldn't believe that I was just saying it was all my fault. I just took it all on. Because when I learned that divorce, you actually open up a way 
for that type of seed to, hey, if he never got married, she would never had to held on to a promise. So I just took the, I took it. And so, but it was awesome because she was so hard. She then turned what? Soft. See, and when God puts us in front of an angry person, we have the responsibility. If you're going to advance the kingdom of God in the earth for another, if somebody's angry at you, you just be what? Soft. Let your voice be gentle. Let the Holy Spirit take on. You know what? We can actually take on somebody else's fault and work through a person to get that person to understand by us just saying, will you forgive that person? Will you forgive me for that person? That is so deep. We can distinguish anger because God doesn't want us flowing in the spirit. He won't do it. If you're angry, he just cuts it. He is so grieved, there is no motion. Go to Ephesians, verse 429. Remember, anger cancels out grace needed. Do you know when you're standing up against an angry person, you are going to need that grace to hear the Holy Spirit so you can speak what's going to heal them. And when it heals them, man, as I was speaking to her, what was happening to me? I was being healed. I was being healed at that time because I really felt sorry, like, here, I did this to her. So healing was happening to me about being divorced. Because I'm going to tell you, the enemy likes to get you on bad decisions you made in the past. But here it goes. It says, let no foul or polluted language, nor evil word, nor wholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. Man, everything that should come out of our mouth should be of a good report. It should be pure. It should be of, that's why if we're meditating on the word morning and night, then our words just want to be the word. We should be wanting to be the word, not speaking of polluted anguish or evil, unwholesome, worthless talking to come out of it, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. Now think about this. If I sat there and just started defending Rachel, <laughs> no, I divorced your dad. We weren't in love. Blah, 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 blah. What would I, I would have not helped. I wouldn't, there was nothing that would happen. I would have made her harder. And she would have sat there and put on the nice little face like she was okay. And this is how you know when Rachel's hard. She says the word, sure. How many teenagers you hear that? Sure. Sure is like, uh, I really don't agree with you, but I'm saying out of respect, I've got to give you a response. <laughs> hey, I just laugh about when I came from uh, Maryland, I had taught five years there, and then I came and taught in Georgia. There was no this yes ma'am, no ma'am, 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 sir thing, right? It was always Mrs. Breon, Mr. Breon, Mr. Mundy, Mrs. Mundy. Whatever the name was, you always put the last person's name. I'll never forget teaching, and I'm writing on my chalkboard, and I tell the kids, take out your math book. All of a sudden, in unison on the first day of school, yes, ma'am. I was like, I like that. <laughs> I turned around. I, I, they saw I was shocked. Yes, ma'am, I said to all of them. And they're like looking at me like I'm strange. And they all got the all Southern, you know. And I was like, I get you said. So, of course, you know, I have Rachel. Rachel's like two years old. I'm like saying, yes, ma'am. Learn yes, ma'am. <laughs> that will be your response to me. But now it's sure. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's just to make you laugh. I mean, think about it. Remember, behind a tone of a word is going to identify an anger. So think about it as raising our kids. When you are raising your kids, there are times we can be a parent, but sometimes we've got to settle down 
and say the things that are effective for their spiritual growth. And know that when we are giving it up in that forgiveness, and we're giving it up in that honor, and we're giving it up in that acceptance of them, whether we're feeling it, some, you have just now manifested the kingdom power in that relationship. So it says, as it is fitting to the need and to the occasion. See, look at that. God puts you in a place every day for a need, for an occasion, a circumstance. Let's look at this. When the spirit is lifting up for you to be used to advance another person, you know it's going to have to be what? A trial. There's going to be a conflict. There's going to be something going. Even now, I'm experiencing something over in real estate, and it just, it's, there's so much anger behind this. I feel it coming two sides. And I know, I even prayed about this morning, I'm going to be used to distinguish this, but I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit and get into it. I have to really be gentle as a dove and sharp as a serpent. I'm going to have to be very step. And really ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do every day in this? And it's not always going to benefit me. I've come to that understanding. Anything that I've been able to overcome with the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ because I want to please the Father, it really didn't benefit me at that moment. Because he set up a time fitting a need. He set up an occasion so that another person can be blessed and it will give grace, God's favors to those that will what? Hear it. Now think about the power we have of the Holy Spirit in us. When we can remove anger, and anger is going to defend itself. When we can put it out there, we've just broken something. For the benefit of the kingdom for that person, how many people can really lay it down? Come on, how many people can really lay it down? I mean, gosh, the one thing God works us the most when it comes to kids. Raising up our kids. Because we have what? Control. I like that. Hey, God says he warned the churches. He's not into that controlling people thing. He's into advancing people, not controlling people. The Holy Spirit will always move in demonstration to advance the kingdom of God. Isn't that beautiful? Go to the next verse. 20, 30. Go to 30. Remember, to grieve the Holy Spirit means to oppress. Oppress is just like what I showed you. It's like taking that glass and doing what? That's what you do when you oppress the Holy Spirit. You just knocked out what he was. There. It, grieve means to wrong. You actually, we are to walk in acceptance, honor, and unforgiveness. When we turn the other way, we just went the wrong way. Come on, I know everybody in here has had an experience of when they went the wrong way. Okay, because he's got to teach us. All right. Grieve means to suffer. Do you know how important it is that if we grieve the Holy Spirit, we end up suffering the consequence, not the person. We experience that suffering. I'm going to tell you, the one thing I loved about in King Jesus' ministry, they did a lesson about husband and wives, and the one thing I love that Anna said, you're not married in a marriage to make that person make you happy. You're in that marriage to long suffer for their advancement. So we have to think about it. And in that is the love of God. In that is where he moves us. All right. And grieve also means to crush. To crush. You know, sometimes we can crush a person 
that God is trying to mature in our anger. We have crushed their heart and our hard heart is trying to make their hard heart hard. So I'm going to beware if you have anger in you and God sees that and you actually hurt one of his people that God's trying to grow up. That is like wearing a millstone around your neck because he's going to pull you down and beware when he does it. Just repent. Just say, help me move out this hardness and fill me with the Holy Spirit to soften me. Because, you know, everybody in here, some people are more fearful and some people are more angry. One of them is going to dominate. They work together, but usually one dominates. I had more fear in me than I had anger. So that's why our enemy works on fear with me more than he works on anger. Some of us in here have more anger. We can be so bold. We're fearless an angry person, but at the same time, you're slashing people down. The next verse says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were what? Sealed. Man, if we, it was so exciting to me. We already have the victory because the greater one is in us than we're in this world. So the more we invite him in and say, I receive the fullness of the spirit daily. We have to ask for that filling daily. Man, I didn't get that at first. I thought I got filled once. That's it. I'm done. Right? That felt good. I'm fixed up. And then you start what? You start feeling grieving. You start feeling what? You feel the, um, what was the other word? Not grieve, but quench. You start feeling the quenching. And then you know, you don't completely got it. But yet he already tells us. He sealed us. He marked us. He branded us as God's what? Own. Secured. For the day of redemption, the final deliverance through Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. So here's the thing. We mess up and we realize he's got me sealed. I am covered by the blood. I get to repent and keep moving forward and want to change. Let me tell you, when your voice breaks the second heaven, that voice has such a frequency that it knows when you mean it. It knows sincerity. I've become so hard about people and, and, and certain things at one time in my life. I didn't trust anybody's love. I didn't trust. I just figured that's just a mechanism that's all sweet and nice in the movies. But I wanted it, but I always could. It's like I could feel the lack of sincerity. And then I just got good at going over that and making my own love of sincerity that I thought was. And the whole time it wasn't real because it was really masking the opportunity for God to work in my life. And, you know, he gives us moments as we're from the time we were born to the time we are now. We have had special appointed feelings and moments of that love, even before we're saved, that God actually uses that to preserve us. So we want to be drawn by the spirit when it's the time, when it's time for us to advance in who we are. So then we can advance the kingdom of God on the earth. So it tells us that he, his whole goal is for himself to deliver us for his pleasure. Next verse. Next verse says 31. Praise the Lord. Is this good? Okay, good. Praise God. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, temper, and resentment. Anger is backed up by resentment and animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language. Be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. Next verse. 
So he's already telling us, do this. Ask it to be removed from you. He's already giving us a list. Go down that list. The word already gives you the list. Remove this from me. 32. And become, now here's the thing, and become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another, ready and freely as God in Christ forgave you. You know, it is so important that we do not want to have lack of movement in our life. This is the year of movement. So that, what, what does that mean? If anybody's in, connected to this ministry and they're hearing this message go forth, he is trying to move out any bit of anger. He is trying to move out the fear so that the Holy Spirit can work its fullness in this move of this time. How many people want the Holy Spirit to have full reign in this building? How many people want the fullness of the gifts? How many people want the Jesus to come and sanctify the soul? And how many people want to receive his presence so that the move can go forth? Isn't that awesome? So I want everybody to keep that in mind, forgiving one another. I mean, sometimes it's hard. We think that we're, we think that we really understand. And sometimes, you know what, when we're tested, it becomes evident. So you want to live a victorious life. Remember, be dedicated to God. Please the Father, live in the victory of Jesus. Decide to live in love with the Holy Spirit. Remember, our goal is to meet the needs of others. I've met so many unselfish people here. People really go out of their way. The day Tori went to go visit Rachel at the stable, that was an unselfish move for Tori to go do that because that's a lot of gas money for her. But yet it meant the world to Rachel. It softened Rachel. Decide to be led by the Holy Spirit. Move. If he is giving you something to do, that means he has all the provision connected to it. Strip away all hindrances. Go ahead and put up Hebrews 12, 26, 27. That we are called here for this purpose. Because when it's time to shake a tree, remember, what's not of God has to be what? Fallen away. And what is of God will remain so that he can increase more of himself so more can be spoken and demonstrated through the Holy Spirit. It says, his voice shook the earth, but now he has given a promise. Yet once more, I love it. Carrie kept thinking he was done and he was done and he was done and he'd have a time and he was coasting. But the Lord said, but yet once more, I am going to shake that tree. I promise I will shake and make tremble, not only the earth, but also the starry heavens. So that means he is never finished with us. Every position you go from glory to glory, you're going to be what? Shaken. That goes for me. That goes for every leader. So we want to know, we want God. We want to invite him in to strip away those hindrances. All right. And then number five, we are to look to the word day and night. I love it when Gene had taught this, we are deceived. The word in Joshua tells us we are to open that word and we are to meditate on it morning and night. We deceive ourselves the growth that we need, the opportunity of the shaking if we're not going to spend time in that word. Because look, remember, there has got to be a fire that burns in us that not only want, it gets injected when we're born again, but we need the word to fill, to be in this temple. So that when he fills us, he can use us 
to speak his word, decrees of the word. It is so important that when you write out your prayers or you write out those thoughts, you are really decreeing the word of God. The first, we're not supposed, you don't focus on you, focus on what you're hearing God tell you, write it out. And you have no idea what it's going to, or who it's going to be used to affect. But as you speak it out, you are actually breaking the atmosphere. You are actually stirring that atmosphere to do what it's called to do. We have to spend time in worship. Worship is the entrance in. Our praise and our thanksgiving is, the, is what we need to praise and break off. We actually, the enemy flees. You don't want to sit in that shaking period too long. If you break up and get into that third heaven, the stuff just leaves. So Jesus, it's awesome. Jesus came to set us free. Isn't this good? Okay, I think I have one more thing I want to share. What's the time check? It's 7.01? Wow, that went fast. Um, put Hebrews 12.15. It says, exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing, in order that no root of resentment, bitterness, bitterness, hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment, and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. Man, there is a time set up that God's going to use you to take the lesser so somebody else can advance in that position. That's awesome. All right. I want to end with these, a few verses I'm going to call out because we're just going to listen to one song. I want to remind everybody really quick too. These are for fear. Meditate on Job 3.25. 1 John 4.18, which reminds us that there is no fear in love. 1 John 4.18. Job 3.25. And 2 Timothy 1, 7. That's for people who need to meditate on if you know you're dealing with fear. Meditate on that. Is everybody good with that? And then now, if you know you're dealing with anger, keep this in your heart. 1 John 3, 15. Proverbs 15, 1. And Colossians 3, 15. So med- if you are dealing with anger, meditate on that. But I'm going to leave with this with this scripture because I think it is really, I'm going to, it's a couple scriptures, but it, it'll go by quick. What was that last one? Colossians 3.15. Put up Psalms 142, verse 1 and 2, please. Psalms 142. We have to actually, our voice as we're going through these changes is so important. Our voice to break anything in the second heaven, our voice has power. I've really had to learn that. Fear holds you back from a voice. Anger holds you back from God even hearing it because what? It's canceled out. All right. It says, I cry to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make what? Supplication. When you are actually dealing with a fear and you have fear, cry out. Say, break this. I had one time, I just started, I was taking it, taking I thought, Oh, yeah, I'm taking intercession for the team. I just sat there and kept taking pain. And something just rose in me. I fell to the ground. I screamed out, stop. Stop staying in that place. Boy, when I stopped, it all lifted. <laughs> there was something with my voice. I'm a t- I had to learn that. Because you know what? A victim thinks, I take the pain. 
I take the pain. Oh, come on. Has there anybody in here that sits there and takes the pain? And you think you're taking it for the team. I've even said that. I'm taking it for the team. No, we have a voice. And the voice breaks the second heaven in our belief and in our trust in him. So if you're feeling fear, break forward. Your voice can break that atmosphere. If you're angry, just say, I, you stop that. Don't allow yourself to react to that kind of anger. God really wants us to know that the power of God is being manifested in us to advance the kingdom of God. But it all starts with us. Our blessing brokers, hey, like I said, if you're having anger, you know what I mean? You're having anything on that blessing bucket list, nothing's, nothing's breaking through. There is grief. There is quenching, okay? So praise the Lord. So I'm reminding you, it's all about the what? Voice. Voice. That, is that one and two? Oh, I pour out my what? Complaint before him. I tell before him what? My trouble. So let me tell you something. If he's going to start counting out some fear and anger, be prepared because conflict, trouble, trial is coming. But he that's why we enter in and worship. You know, when we enter in, praise and thank him even when you don't understand. Man, you bring that up towards him, but you tell him how awesome he is. All right? Go to verse uh, 2, 3, 4, 5. Go to verse 5, 142, 5. It says, I cry out. 142.5. It says, I cry out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Ah, uh, isn't this awesome? Man, we should want to move beyond these steps because who is our portion? He is our portion. That's the victory. When the swap out of the hard and the soft comes in, we obtain a portion of him because we've cried out, because we want to please God. Man, when that softness and fear rises up and we exchange that softness for the boldness of his word, when we speak those verses of fear and we speak it with boldness, we are making a supplication before him through our what? Our voice. Our voice has to lift up. Go to verse, um, what was that one? Six. Go to verse six. We've got two more. It says, attend to my loud cry, for I am brought very what? Low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Guess what he taught us in anger? That doesn't mean I'm, when I was dealing with Rachel, I wasn't there to defend me and cut her up. I love it. Well, let me tell you something. My inner voice was crying at that moment. And I remember I was being brought what? Low at that moment when I could have done some dicing, right? But I was low and I was thinking, man, deliver me from my persecutors. We had to become low and be able to hear his voice. And those, the persecutors, not the person, we're actually defeating the enemy with acceptance, honor, and forgiveness in that moment. Man, and we get delivered from that persecutor. You know what I mean? My relationship with Rachel was strengthened after that moment. And it wasn't because Rachel was my persecutor. It was the anger that got defeated at that moment. For they are stronger than I. Sometimes, doesn't it feel that someone else's anger is stronger than you? Doesn't it feel when you approach that horse that your fear was stronger than that horse? There is something, when we take that step, he just wants us to know that word. We, it says if you are in him and the word is in you, you can what? You can put that word out. You can ask 
for that word to manifest. And guess what it's going to do? It's going to manifest. It's going to manifest and it's going to do what it set out to do. Last verse seven. This will be the last one. But we have to attend to the Lord. We have to give it up to him. And we can do it within seconds being with somebody. You can be in seconds and you're like, Holy Spirit, help me at this time. I, I'm giving you this moment. Help me. You make my words your words because my thoughts are not your thoughts. Okay? Bring my life out of prison. If you have fear and anger, you are in prison. You are in prison because you are in prison to man. You are in prison to fear of things because the lie behind every fear, behind every lie is a fear, and behind every fear is a place where the word of God is not housed in your heart. It's not applied. You're not attending it to God. So he says, bring my life out of prison that I may what? Confess, praise, and give thanks to your name. The righteous will what? Surround me. I loved it. The moment I was sitting with Rachel in that restaurant, angels came right down, right out of hell. You could feel it. They were all there to make sure his will got done. He will send those people. It's so awesome. We gave th giving thanks to his name. The righteous will surround me and crown themselves because of what? Me, for you will deal bountifully with me. I love it. When we grieve and we quench the Holy Spirit, now think about that. If you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, whether in demonstration, whether in apology, whether in lowering yourself, do you know, can you put that verse back up? Do you know he still takes care of you? He actually, you may feel so low at that moment, but you don't realize you just got surrounded by the glory of God. You just got crowned with another level of move. There is something that he is dealing, and he's dealing with you. Because if you're challenged of it, he's dealing with your anger. If you're challenged by it, he's dealing with your what? Fear. Come on. That means he's going to do something good for you when you put it out when it's happening with another. Because none of us has completely arrived. Okay? We've got to be able to work in the unity of faith, in the love of the saints. We have to be able to stick together. And anger and, anger, anger and fear just hold back the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? We have to remember that. So the last verse the Lord gave me when I was meditating on this, he said, I love it. When the Lord sets you free, you're what? Free indeed. Okay? So we are going to stand up. And we are going to play a song screaming out our freedom. It was the first song we played tonight. I thought that was awesome. Freedom. You have to be able to release. I want everybody to close their eyes. Just close your books up. Close your eyes. And I want you to just think about the times you have felt fear, the times you feel anger. If even something happened, if even something happened recently. So everybody close their eyes right now. And I want you to just think. Okay, think about the past couple months. Think about a time when maybe your fear held you back from doing something from the Holy Spirit. Maybe something of fear caused you to react wrongly to another person. And you missed that occasion. And you missed that moment to let God reconcile someone back to him. Now remember, all we have to do is we have to ask for his forgiveness and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I invite you, Holy Spirit, into my heart to remove that soft spot and replace it with the boldness in your word. Lord, I ask you to remove that soft spot and fill it with that boldness of your word. Lord, remove the hardness in my heart and fill it with the forgiveness. Fill it with your honor. Fill it with the acceptance. Fill it with that softness 
so that I can receive you and do the will of God in your life. So when we, remember, when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And I know everybody in here wants to get to where they need to be. So when we stand up, we are going to praise God and we are going to call out with our voice our freedom. This is the year of Jubilee. This is the year where he is going to set the captive free. He is going to open out the prisoner that's locked up in you. And I'm going to tell you, if we just scream out freedom, let's try it out. Freedom, right? You feel better. I mean, you feel better. And you know what? It says in the word that when we sing, it says, O daughter of Zion, sing. It says, Israel shall do what? Shout. Shouting is a boldness. It's not a confusion. It's not a screaming. It is a, it is a force that can break the second heaven from the right heart of belief. So I, am, I have prayed for everybody to have their freedom, to be set free from the captives, to, for whatever you're imprisoned when it comes to fear and anger. We're going to just stand up and we're going to tell the Lord as we sing this song. I want everybody to scream out the words freedom from the chart, but I want everybody to say, I receive my freedom in Jesus Christ. I receive my freedom in Jesus Christ. So go ahead. Yes, we receive that freedom in Christ Jesus. I want to see people jumping. I want to see Thank you. 